Hey, thanks for tuning in this week for Cannabinerds. I'm Rachel, and we decided to have our friend Kurt Robbins back on the podcast to discuss the state of the world and how it pertains to cannabis. The good, the bad, the ugly, and then some more good. Does cannabis help in any fashion with the coronavirus? Spoiler, cannabis does not cure the coronavirus. But Kurt gives a well-rounded insight to this topic we see today. We just thought it'd be fun to have a conversation about, I don't know, quarantine life. And we thought it'd be fun to have that with you. Find out if there's anything new you've discovered during this isolation time. (laughs) Yeah, I've discovered that people don't always use their God-given brains. Uh, (laughs) Just just minutes ago, I had somebody arguing with me. They're like, now, wait a second. CBD might be a preventative for the coronavirus. And I'm like, no, we don't use words like or cure because the smartest doctors in the world told us that's not a smart thing that defies science. I understand it if you like the cannabis plant, you know, I get that. I like it too. But people who uh, powers and magical, whatever, you know, there's, there's no uh, glittery unicorns in that universe. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> the studies just say that uh, it doesn't prevent or cure anything, you know, it just, yeah, it doesn't, it, if people want to get slippery and, you know, we can talk about this. I understand that some people don't have a PhD in literature or technical writing or whatever, right? So they're going to go, wait a second. I think it's basically our responsibility, quite honestly, to define terms like prevent and cure and to say, okay, what you thought was a preventative? No, you, you were misdefining these terms, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, you know, instead of just getting match because I notice obviously people are stressed out right now but uh, I'm noticing a lot of anger uh, in social media right a lot mm-hmm. a lot of very uh, not very enlightened statements even from some really otherwise brilliant thought leaders yeah what are they saying they're just they're everybody's like angry and I, I understand that uncertainty is a hell of a stressor right mm-hmm. so even if we knew that, okay, two months from now, life gets back to normal, blah, blah, you know, that would still be stressful, but at least we would kind of have that light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And uh, I think what's freaking people out now, you know, I don't have a PhD in psychology. That's not why people hire me. So uh, that's just kind of my armchair take on it. But yeah, I'm seeing like what would normally under normal circumstances be these kind of rational, balanced you know, calm voices and these thought leaders and you know, CEOs and doctors and researchers. Uh, and not all of them, certainly, but some of them are really starting to say some things and behave in a manner that puts me on alert. So <laughs> it makes me a little nervous. You're constantly engaged in the social media cannabis space. So you do see a lot of stuff come across uh, your mm-hmm. timeline. And what are some misinformations about cannabis and CBD and hemp, all those products relating to the coronavirus? Well, the first thing we need to consider, let's look at it from a very high level, no pun intended. <laughs> um, we've got endocannabinoids like anandamide and 2-AG. And you know, a lot of your listeners may not be aware, but our bodies uh, through this thing called the endocannabinoid system, yes, produce, uh, and that's a, that's a network of neurotransmitters of 
microscopic cellular receptors, the receptors that go on cells. And you hear us bantering names like CB1 and CB2 and, and, and such. And yeah. they, these are receptor sites where these molecules bind. Well, okay, so we've got some endocannabinoids and then we've got some phytocannabinoids. And the reason they all have that common root word, uh, you know, canna or cannabinoid is because the lock and key very efficiently, uh, these molecules from plants like hemp and cannabis bind with these CB1 and CB2 receptors. And research has shown us that we get a slew of medicinal benefits. Unfortunately, and I wish this was true, uh, viruses of any stripe or type, okay, including the coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, they are neither prevented nor cured, if we want to use those precise terms, by any of the more than 150 cannabinoids uh, and 200 terpenes and 20 flavonoids that have been proven through thousands of research studies to deliver various uh, wellness efficacies to humans and to all mammals. It turns out all mammals have uh, an endocannabinoid system, so this is why Pets like dogs and cats, uh, they get conditions just like humans, right? Mm -hmm. Glaucoma, arthritis, uh, joint and bone issues, uh, and uh, you know they have lungs like us, so they might have respiratory issues. And uh, these cannabinoids and terpenes can can help them too. Um, so I'm certainly not negating. Some people have kind of wanted to debate online and social media. I'm certainly not debating the efficacy of CBD. In fact, it's kind of daft to uh, to accuse me of that because just go read some of the articles I've written. I'm always citing the benefits of this plant. I'm a big, big fan of it. I've staked my career on it. Mm -hmm. But there's no science, no reason, and there's no bloody intelligence behind using terms like prevent in terms of CBD or THC or CBG or any of the other cannabinoids or terpenes that do give some medicinal benefit, but one of those benefits is not preventing or curing any type of virus. I mean, the most I've seen and what I've read in my research is the aiding of immunity uh, as far as white blood cell count, you know, the endocannabinoid system in which you're referring to plugs into uh, the immunity cell like cells have cb1 cb2 receptors and the white blood cells is no exception right. and it would help right. balance that out helping aid but other than that i haven't seen anything to specifically with the terms prevent or cure for sure right. but there is that aiding immunity uh aspect but i don't think we can put a lot of um it's just a help it's helping in a way but it's not curing or preventing i could see it could help in a way where exactly sleep balance or you know balancing out stress, which both of those things hinder your immune system, right? I mean, yeah. So I those like herbal supplements. You take herbal supplements aren't going to cure anything. They're right. just going to help aid and in some cases even boost. Um, and then there's some discrepancy if if immunity can be boosted depending on your definition of that term boost. Exactly. We have to be very careful. I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Mike Hart uh, mm -hmm. in Ontario. And 
you know, he, I, I just like the way he approaches topics. Uh, he speaks articulately to lay people, uh, but yet he has a very deep technical knowledge and clinical experience, you know, right there at the front lines as a, as a practicing clinician. Um, and he's a big fan of cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids and how they can help humans. And he talks about it all the time. Uh, but uh, he's trying to bust the myth of boosting one's immunity. He, he argues that there is no boosting of immunity. Is there improving immunity? Is there making one's body healthier and more efficient and thus increasing our powers of, of immunity and to fight disease and infection? Yes, there is. Hmm. But again, we have to be very careful with terms like prevent, cure, right? There's a reason right. we have a lot of words in, in our languages, you know, especially English, and it's because we want to be as precise and accurate as possible. What it really comes down to is it's cool if you want to worship this plant, think it's a panacea, think it cures cancer, think it cures viruses. I, I would love to think that too. Uh, we'd have both a billion-dollar industry and nobody be sick, right? That'd be mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we'll have science proving that. And I, you know, it, this is this is about reality. This, you know, there's a lot of egos that get involved here, unfortunately. But I I recently developed an article uh, about the efficacy of phytomolecules like CBD for coronavirus slash COVID-19 for Vegas Cannabis Magazine. And, you know, it's just such a contentious, dramatic, emotional topic that uh, I really just didn't want to get into the fray myself, so to speak. So I interviewed four of the smartest uh, researchers and uh, CEOs and medical doctors that I could find. And I didn't want it to become too big a project, right? We don't want to be mm -hmm. a 3,000-word article nobody has time to read. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, we put together about, uh, I think it's 16, 1,700-word article. But I talked to Dr. Peter Grinspoon from Harvard, uh, Father is uh, Dr. Lester Grinspoon, uh, very famous for having written in 1971 the book Marijuana Reconsidered. That's marijuana with an H for those of you Googling it. Pissed uh, off Richard Nixon with that. And, mm -hmm. and you know, if folks who don't know about Lester Grinspoon should investigate him. Uh, but anyway, his son, Peter Grinspoon, uh, just has, you know, he's a practicing clinician in Boston. He uh, believes in the powers of uh, these cannabinoids and terpenes to improve the wellness of his patients and all patients. But uh, he's very science and evidence-based. So when people throw around terms like prevent or cure uh, in light of the coronavirus, uh, he's very quick to correct them. Uh, I also talked to Mara Gordon in California of Aunt Zelda's and many other projects, and she is one of the most uh, intelligent and cynical uh, researchers and investigators in this space, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and she also uh, set the record straight. Basically, I, I allowed uh, Mara Gordon, Peter Grinspoon, uh, Ben Kaplan, also from Boston, practicing clinician behind CED Foundation, great guy. Mm, yep collection that's just super valuable so uh, people should tune in to him uh, and also uh, a CEO founder and, and very influential thought leader in Canada Deepak Anand uh, and those four thought leaders slash experts in their own words told me about okay I, I basically said can CBD or phytomolecule quote prevent or quote cure coronavirus or any other virus. And they just told me what, you know, they thought about that. And I put their words out. 
Uh, it's one of the easiest articles I've ever done, quite honestly. But it dispels a lot of the misunderstanding and urban legend and propaganda. And, you know, I feel sorry for a lot of people right now because most of us don't and biochemistry. So it's confusing because this is very deep science. You know, we, we don't understand the nuances, most of us, of the endocannabinoid system and, you know, these phytomolecules uh, that get into our body and do different things. And to confound it, quite honestly, is the issue of subjective efficacy. What may help you, let's say, in terms of giving you sleep or reducing your anxiety, but that in improves your health, right? Mm -hmm. uh, another person a panic attack and send them to the ER. So, um, and Dr. Ben Kaplan and I, we developed a different article about subjective efficacy for string print technologies in Toronto. And I liked the article a lot to still do because it addresses the topic of subjective efficacy and cannabis for wellness specifically. Yeah. I've been wanting to hear more about that. Actually. I know we touched on it. You mentioned it in the last interview, but I would love to hear more about the subjective efficacy well like I, you know i have more projects with all uh with dr ben kaplan with peter grinspoon with mara gordon uh they're they're going to be helping me with projects in 2020 and beyond so uh i'll definitely be you know kind of channeling and reflecting what's going on in the minds of these thought leaders uh, and again i feel very confident directing my own followers and readers and listeners to these people because uh they, all I know is they, they keep it all science-based, right? Yeah. Uh, and because this is about biochemistry. We're talking about viruses. We're talking about cells. We're talking about receptors. You know, this is, this is deep science. So we can't just, uh, you know, talk to our neighbors in the backyard and, oh, Susie said that uh, CBD cures cancer. Let's go get some CBD. <laughs> well, you might, might want to investigate that first with some people who you trust and think are, you know, pretty smart on the topic. When talking about CBD products, there's only a few types in a saturated market, like isolated, broad, and full spectrum. And there's limitless options to choose from. It's hard to know where to begin. TheHempJar.com solves this with hemp paste. Hemp paste retains all the phytocannabinoids and preserves terpenes, flavonoids, and canaflavins by not extracting, but by using the whole flower and MCT oil. Super simple and effective. Yeah, this review from Kevin, he says, I love hemp paste. They use the whole plant instead of extracting only a part of the good ingredients. Their way of processing gives me all the great ingredients in the hemp plant. When I take it, I feel much more at ease and balanced after. It tastes great, and if you want to really have a health indulge fest, go to the chocolate bar with hemp paste added in. Millie says, love this product over oils. We've tried quite a few, and both me and my husband feel this is absorbed better and we like that it is the whole plant. The processing of the plant leaves a much smaller carbon footprint, which is so important as well. Husband uses it for arthritis in knees and me for occasional anxiety and insomnia. Works well for all of it. Hemp paste from hempjar.com delivers relief and delivers it right to your front door. Give it a try with 10% off any order with code CANNABINERDS10 only at thehempjar.com. Not to bring it all down or anything like that, uh, but what are some benefits for the cannabis herbal supplement in this time? I know I, it's not going to change the benefits from what it was two or three months ago, 
But in light of everything that's going on, what you're seeing and you're talking to the, all these uh, people inside the biochemistry industry, specifically with cannabis, what, what are they saying? What do you see? David, thank you. Because let's, yeah, let's put this in a positive light. Let's tell listeners how they can help themselves, right? Um, and from all of the like and uh, personal trainers and doctors and researchers and chemists that I've talked to over the years have said one of the number one things that harms people's health, okay, decreases your health, harms your immune system uh, is lack of sleep or sleep issues, sleep uh, disturbances, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you find the right cultivar, commonly known as strain uh, of, that's a poor term for it though. Uh, but if you find the right type variety of cannabis that helps you sleep, and it might very well be a type that, you know, you, you cannot do at midday, even early evening, you know, if it's going to really put you out. Uh, but that's a good thing if you have sleep issues. Mm -hmm. So if you improve your sleep right there, you've made dramatic progress toward improving your health. Okay. Uh, another issue where I think there's just no contention whatsoever in the efficacy of uh, you know these molecules from hemp and cannabis is in decreasing anxiety. Now, what do we have a hell of a lot of right now? Anxiety. <laughs> People are stressing out. We yeah. see it every day in our social media. We see it with our neighbors. You know, it's in our community. Uh, it's in mass media, and it's fully understandable. That is a reasonable human response. Uh, if Cannabis and, you know, molecules like CBD or THC or CBG uh, can have any positive effect on decreasing, you know, mitigating anxiety and allow us uh, to, to have a more reasonable outlook on our lives and our careers. Because right now, people are having to make some difficult decisions, right? Uh, totally. Right. Types, both personally and in their business lives, it's uh, not an easy time in that respect. You don't want to go into that decision-making process and strategy session, so to speak, uh, freaking out, right? If yeah. nobody nobody makes good decisions when they're when they're freaking out, so I think that is one of the chief efficacy cannabis and hemp uh, is uh, you know within the recreational culture we call it chilling out, right? Netflix <laughs> chill, yep. uh, yeah. Whatever, whatever you call it, and I will say that a lot of people, you have to look around to find the right cultivar for you. You know, some people get all jazzed up and want to go clean the garage at 2 a.m. on a certain cultivar. Someone else has been asleep for hours, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, it's a very, it's very subjective, as we were just saying a few minutes ago. And if it doesn't work the first few times, I would encourage consumers to, you know, keep looking because it's kind of like a treasure hunt. I can relate to that. I can... If I don't get a good night rest, then I'm just, uh, Rachel can attest to us. I'm, I'm a crabby person. I'm the, crabby some patty. of us turn to shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I could totally see. And that's one thing that hasn't changed, you know, three months ago and now. I mean, cannabis is not going to change. There's the subjective efficacy, absolutely. But at the same time, uh, CBD is not going to cure. Cannabis isn't going to cure. But it does help in these certain aspects. It definitely helps. Yeah, just to be a healthy human being, as our goal should be all the time. Healthy, Coronavirus well or no yeah, coronavirus. Absolutely. Just healthy, well-rounded, balanced. Right. And, and, you know, well, let's talk. I, I like the idea of talking about the benefits, you know, where hundreds, if not thousands of, of research studies, peer research studies, uh, published in reputable journals have revealed certain patterns, not just in specific cannabinoids like CBD, but across all cannabinoids, even the terpenes also that are responsible for the aroma. Totally. And 
one of those chief benefits is a decrease in systemic inflammation. And this is a benefit to a lot of different conditions, uh, even cancer, by the way, because there is inflammation at the cellular level involved in certain types of cancers. Now, to be fair and technically correct, we should mention that there's more than 100 different types of cancers in this world. So mm -hmm. uh, we have to be very careful how we make some of these statements. We might find that a molecule like CBD or CBG, cannabigerol, one of my new favorites, mm -hmm. uh, has a significant efficacy for a certain portion of the patient population, but only for maybe a particular type of cancer. Uh, not for others. So again, consumers and patients and folks in social media need to be very careful with throwing around phrases like uh, curing cancer, preventing the coronavirus. Uh, uh, unfortunately, these uh, phytomolecules and terpenes and flavonoids simply do not do that. Now, uh, not from what we know yet. Now, will we uh, discover unique mechanisms and properties and and base future formulations of high-tech, you know, nano-encapsulated, et cetera, et cetera, products, uh, nasal spray, like we have for other medicines, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that may happen, but I think the proper mental framework is to consider the cannabinoids and terpenes, all of these wellness molecules from plants like hemp and cannabis, to be other, just another tool in Okay, we've got pharmaceutical drugs, we have meditation, we have yoga, we have good sleep, we have good diet. This is just another tool. It helps. It really does help. Does it cure? Absolutely not. Does it help is a different word than cure or prevent. I'm sorry, folks. Read the damn dictionary, okay? <laughs> um, it's free. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and just in light of all the there's so much social media blasting on every kind of topic, every kind of view, which yeah. is great. And in this case, it's it's not really helping the community, the cannabis community in having particular figureheads spew out misinformation. And it almost we've been fighting and fighting's a loose term. We've been going toward uh, legalization and saying how this is science-based and it helps in these ways. And just to have uh, a couple of people ruin it for everybody by saying <laughs> this, <laughs> well, that, and the other thing. You know, there have been some sports stars and other celebrities who, you know, obviously some of them have millions of followers just in one social network, right, alone. And uh, if they just kind of flippantly toss information out, they're, they're like us, right? You know, life is a bell curve and there's people saying very intelligent, reasonable and based things in social. And there are those who are, you know, on the total opposite end. Uh, we, you know, you wonder about their sanity sometimes with the thing. Um, I'd like to not, you know, necessarily poke the messenger there. I would rather deflate the misinformation or legends and propaganda. Because in a way, I can almost defend the sources of misinformation because they they want to believe, right? And again, back to the panacea problem with people believing that hemp and cannabis are some sort of gift from God or gift from nature. Yes, there are a slew, literally hundreds of health benefits from this plant. But, you know, again, over the last several weeks, the whole conversation about uh, CBD preventing or curing a virus has also bled into, well, can CBD or THC or other uh, phytomolecules 
prevent or cure cancer because there's a large contingent of people out there who believe that wholeheartedly. And I would love to believe it too. But again, I go back to these smart scientists and researchers and they tell me that's the most foolish thing we could ever say. There, you know, there might be one study, a preliminary study that has mentioned that it could aid in the, you know, in cells not mastitizing or, or whatever and, and preventing uh, and a, a cancer. It, it, but however, much. I think they take that and just run 10,000 miles with it and say, oh, well, okay, well, this one study said this, so then obviously cannabis right. cures cancer. <laughs> and for the record, Mara Gordon talks about this all the time. One study is just one study. It, it, it hasn't, you know, if, it, if we say, okay, what is terminal velocity? And we do some tests, right? We drop rocks off a cliff and blah, blah, blah. Somehow we test this scientifically. If 30 different tests all around the world by different researchers say terminal velocity is the exact same speed, then we might have a tight number there, right? But a single study, and I think we as proponents in the cannabis industry and, and of the cure, you know, the, the health powers of uh, hemp need to, uh, you know, the burden is on us also to, I want to make sure I'm not publishing white papers or articles that include uh, assumptions or, you know, if there's only one study out there that says X, Y, Z, and there's no other studies, there's nothing else to support that perspective. You know, we want to be very careful. You don't necessarily want to put that on the cover of Time magazine and tell 30 million people X, Y, Z, because it's just one study. Yeah. The definition of science is if you can reproduce a certain outcome. Exactly. Doing the exactly. same thing over and over again. And cannabis is not like that. It's it's different for everybody, and we talked about that. So, and and we're just diving into these cultivars and chemovars of of different potential outcomes for a particular plant. So, uh, there's just not enough research out there yet in in some aspect. Well, in, in a way, a lot of research. Yes, we do need a lot of additional research in specific areas, right? Like I was saying, you know, let's look at the efficacy, let's say, of uh, molecules like CBD and THC and CBG for lymphoma, for example. We we might find what the you know as scientists and researchers they have to go into it unbiased, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, look, we're willing to find whatever we find, but you can't assume things going into it. We're going to find areas where you know what these these cool great wellness molecules just aren't doing anything for certain aspects of this particular disease or condition. But we'll find other areas where they are helpful. And it's, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's not black or white. It's a thousand shades of gray. There are pros and cons to any treatment regimen or medicine or therapy. Uh, and we just, you know, like there's some drugs that help keep people alive, but, uh, you know, it, it makes them disoriented or it messes up their sleep. Uh, we've always, as humans, had to tolerate negative side effects of our medicines. That's nothing new. Yeah, absolutely. It's I would definitely prefer cannabis, though, as opposed to any kind of the majority of pharmaceuticals out there. Cannabis just helps with a lot of different aspects that we've gone over. Um, but to bring it up, I would say cannabis helps a lot <laughs> yeah, as opposed to uh, specific pharmaceuticals, you know, uh, anti-inflammatories and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you're taking any kind of pharmaceutical that has well, just opioids, for instance, you know, that has a high risk of being addictive, right. you know, and if you're doing something with pain relief, I, I would definitely 
uh, steer a, di- a person in the direction of, hey, why don't you just try cannabis? If you can, you know, if your work allows it and if you have that lifestyle and that can obtain that, but right, way more it's, than opioids or any kind of pharmaceutical. So there is, I mean, there's... There, that's one really sad part about the, you know, in a way I've, on other podcasts, I've said there is no cannabis industry and people go, what? And I said, <laughs> well, you know, look here in the States at the adult use level. Uh, you know, medical adult use and hemp are all totally different areas, totally different industries. Uh, but we have 11 adult use states in the U.S. and they all manage it, you know, regulate it totally differently. Tax rates, enforcement, inspections, the whole bit, licensing, you know, mm-hmm. the, just the whole picture. So in a way, there is no industry. And what I hate is when a patient in, say, Florida or Ohio or wherever, but not where I am in Las Vegas, where there's legal dispensaries and there's a bunch of testing and you know COAs telling us how many terpenes we got in there. Because if something helps, you want to know why it helps, right? right. And it's bad that that person in Florida, I can't say, oh, go get you know fuse extracts. Their THCA isolate powder is amazing for pain patients because you can only buy that if you're here in the state of Nevada. So. It's it's not like a true market, right, where I say, hey, you know, I found this new uh, fizzy soda called Coca-Cola and it's really cool. You should go to down to your local store and try it. You can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Store and get Coca-Cola. You can get Bud Light. You can get Wonder Bread. But it's a sad situation where we can't have interstate commerce right now because of Schedule 1 in D.C. And so I can't recommend some of the great products that me and uh, my colleagues and other patients here in Nevada employ unless they live within this state. That's sad. 2020, we'll see what comes up next. (laughs) There's been a lot of stuff already and we're, you know, almost four months into the year or four months into the year. But I feel like 2020 could be a very big, good leap in the cannabis space. As long as this doesn't overtake the the governments. I mean, I saw in New York, because I believe Cuomo was really trying to legalize. Mm-hmm. And have that and, university. And then it's kind of off the the horizon for right now because there's so much dealing with this. So with the coronavirus, yeah. Everything just kind of got put on hold. <laughs> I just hope I just hope the steps keep going. So there's a silver lining to everything, you know. I for one love being inside. I'm an introvert, you know. I think there's a lot of optimism in the current situation. Uh, for example, I think the average consumer or reader or you know person interested in the biochemistry or the business or the politics or the culture of cannabis and hemp, um, we're I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of thin in the herd right now in terms of who I listen to and the thought leaders I tune into because again I'm seeing some that are saying some things I'm like whoa where did that come from you know this this situation is interesting and that it's revealing uh, some of the nuanced characteristics of some of the you know philosophical stances toward this situation and you know, I'm not saying people should choose sides. I, I would hope we choose the side of science and reason and what's best for all of society but uh, we definitely have some people, well, again, if you, if you say CBD cures cancer or, uh, you know, this virus is a total hoax. Wow. Aren't we, the, the nut jobs are coming out, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's revealing That's some so, true colors for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's so immature of me to say it that way, but, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, we can say it academically if we want, but, um, 
I'm certainly updating my social media on the daily just to, uh, you know, get away from sources of misinformation and confusion because it's just not good for my readers or my students. So in all of this, I was I was just curious to hear, you know, kind of what it's like to, you know, in Vegas specifically where you are in isolation, in quarantine, like what, how has life changed for you and what's kind of your routine just for fun? I, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I feel, I feel sorry for the average uh, North American whose life is just really upside down, right? They're not, if they commuted to a job and their kids went to school or daycare and, you know, all those routines have just kind of fallen to the wayside. I uh, really feel sorry for people cohabitating with other humans who they do not enjoy or, or oh, yeah. like, um, oh my God, that's got to be uh, a really bad experience, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I think a lot of us are seeing that happen around us, fortunately. I'm uh, very fond of the people around me, so... I feel lucky in that respect, but I've worked from home for years, so I didn't get any disruption there other than like, uh, you know, being prudent with toilet paper, uh, and I'm into cycling and I typically go cycling alone. So, uh, so that part didn't change either. Um, I think probably the biggest impact I'm feeling personally here in, in Vegas is, uh, you know, uh, networking events like Women Grow and Culture and Cannabis uh, by the great J.C. Coates here and, and you know, other uh, networking and business-to-business uh, uh, events like that are obviously on hold for the time being. And, uh, you know, I, I miss getting out there and pressing the flesh and talking to people and seeing the excitement. Uh, it's cool that they're, you know, we have great mobile tech and like Zoom, uh, yeah. Zoom it's allowing uh, families to stay in contact and people are even playing games and, and such and being very innovative with these various mobile technologies and tools. So uh, again, I think back to the optimism that David was talking about earlier, um, we are ways of leveraging all the tech that we've had for so many years. I mean, hell, we've been talking about distance learning and distance education and distance this and distance that for 30 years since I was like just out of college, but it was all kind of academic and theoretical. But now that we actually need this tech to get by and to sustain the economy at all, um, I think it's talk about a silver lining. Uh, we're going to see Billions of dollars funneled into companies like Zoom and anybody who's uh, can help expedite society's transition in whatever form to distance learning, distance work, distance XYZ. Speaking about technology, I did see that you got a few brand new toys, shiny new toys. I just want to know, are there any special yeah. projects you're working on, like anything new and, si and exciting that you've been doing and maybe possibly have learned in this time of quarantine like what well, what are your plans with all that those shiny new toys <laughs> i am gonna start a couple of podcasts uh really basically my strategy in 2020 is to not be all text uh because uh, i think it just behooves my business goals and you know fitting in with how life is in 2020 right mm -hmm. uh, and uh so i'm adding audio and video and, you know, that's not done uh, lightly. Uh, you know, I want to make sure production quality stays tight and, and all. So, yeah, I'm loving – I'm kind of like test drive here, uh, my podcasting equipment. Uh, I'm real happy with it because I was looking at some solutions that were between twelve and $1,800. Uh, mm -hmm. And I came up with this uh, pretty killer solution thanks to Sure. 
the Chicago-based uh, microphone company that's been around forever, right? Roger yeah. Daltrey was microphones on stage and uh, oh yeah, like stuff like and at the SM58 microphone is the uh, industry standard of any right. kind of microphone. So, and that's by sure. Yeah, and reasonably priced. So I've just really, since I started researching podcasting and, you know, what works for my particular use case scenario, uh, I've been very happy with Shure. Now, there's lots of great, you know, uh, mic companies out there. Sennheiser, the German company, uh, I use their headphones and have for like 30 years. They're the only headphones I've ever used, and I just, I love them. You know, they really work for me, good price point. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, so, as we kind of make this transition to distance, if people are thinking about trying to up their game a little from, you know, the microphone and speakers built into their laptop or whatever, <laughs> uh, or the free headphones that came with their phone, you know, that never really works, especially if you're a professional. Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to write about the setup that I have because it's very simple. Uh, you know, it's like four different items and it comes in at under $500. So, um, you know, if you can get 80% of the audio fidelity and quality for one third the money, uh, that's a good day. Right. Have you thought of any names for your podcast? I have a list of candidates, but no, I haven't finalized yet. Okay. Okay. We'll have to keep in contact because definitely want to shout all that out because you guys... You particularly have really great information in all your sources and different uh, neurosurgeons and doctors and all these great people that you collaborate with. I mean, we need to get that out there. We'll definitely be listeners. <laughs> and I'm trying not to get too distracted by this whole pandemic thing because, you know, in a lot of respects, life has to go on, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, don't want to just shelve all of our plans because uh, I don't think that's wise. So I'm focusing, trying to focus on the development of uh, a curriculum for this uh, new project I'm launching this year called Higher Learning LV. And uh, it's not going to be a traditional training company. I think there's plenty of very capable and high quality training companies out there, quite honestly, even as nascent as the industry uh, is. And that's, that part's going to mature a whole lot more. But most of those training delivery organizations either have mediocre curriculum, their training materials, you know, their course mm -hmm. repair, we sometimes call it, because um, it, it's kind of a secondary function for them. You know, they need to be a sales and marketing organization and get butts and seats, whether it's virtual or in person. These days during the pandemic, it's certainly virtual. So as the developed curriculum that I license to those organizations and enterprise organizations, so I'm not really going to be the delivery of training, even though I am going to do a bit of that, and I enjoy it very much, and I've done a ton of it in the past at IT. Uh, in Washington, D.C., I actually had more than 10,000 students for internet topics, where we were trying to use metaphors to describe bits and bytes and, you know, allow office workers to work with that technology, right? Mm -hmm. So it was great, because it taught me how to develop instructional design in an efficient manner that actually works for companies that need to be efficient and make a profit and, you know, get on with stuff, right? Uh, those are the realities. Some of the training out there is highly theoretical, but not based in reality. Uh, so it just becomes an academic exercise, but it doesn't help a company improve their staff and, you know, improve their products and services. And that's really what it's about at the end of the day. We, we've spent this entire podcast talking about all this gross misinformation that's floating around in social media, and the press, and the media, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I see there to be an intense need for science and evidence-based training 
that uh, yes, illustrates the uh, wellness powers of these various molecules from hemp and cannabis, but uh, that doesn't drift into a Stella tree and idol worship because I don't think that's intelligent. How far out do you think you are from completing it? I'll be developing the curriculum. It'll be published in uh, and I'm starting out with a foundation series. Uh, and that will be both seminars and classes. It'll be published when? Yeah, it, it, that'll be released later this later this year. Uh, oh, wow. So wait until I have 130 different courses, obviously. Um, but in that respect, yeah, the development is going to go on for probably 18 to 24 months. And then in a way, it never ends because there's always new things, new research coming out that needs to be integrated into the courses, you know. Right, you can't uh, just cap way, it off and of be like, done. Living documents, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, new segments will open. Like 10 years ago, uh, dispensary technician training or bud tending wasn't a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's a thing. Uh, and there's actually, you know, certified courseware and certified courses and classes for such industry professionals. Um, but really, I think what everybody needs is a common language. Like we're going around talking about indica and sativa and, uh, you know, things that aren't necessarily based in science. That's, that's one of the issues that needs to be resolved. This whole, you know, indica sativa thing. Is that an intelligent way to address the biochemistry of these molecules in our body? And we're finding that. No, it's not. Back to uh, more name dropping, Dr. Mike Hart in Ontario. He does a great job. Again, I just anything he talks about, I, I listen. And he does a great job of dispelling the myth of indica and sativa, and you know, getting his followers tuned into a proper way of approaching the topic. Yeah, even my doctor, when I got my red card, said to me, you know, for my pain, I need to go get indica, and I'm just like. <laughs> I'm, I'm just laughing because well, I know so much right. more that there's there's so much more to it than for anyone. Indica will take away pain. You know, it's like it's, you can have A right. or B. Yeah, it, it's not. Bad. I mean, I like the indica sativa model in terms of it simplifies things for both wellness professionals, doctors and patients. Right. Yeah. We do need to have labels that make sense to us. And when we say sativa, we most of us understand what that means. It's energizing and creative juices flowing it doesn't put you to sleep it doesn't give you couch lock it doesn't give you intense munchies right those are of indica so these like symptom sets if you will it's good to have labels for them i just want they're not really based in science in fact some would argue that they're total bullshit many of my colleagues have used that exact term to describe the whole versus sativa model but so if we don't say indica sativa what do we say, right? Because we need to have a common vocabulary. So, you know, the distribution channel, the patients, the doctors, the advertising executives, we need a common vocabulary. Absolutely. Well, I think that's great. I think it's really great that you came on and just gave your thoughts about this crisis time and how cannabis plays a role and even doesn't play a role in this time. And you know, the hopeful outlook in the future and what's to come specifically from Kurt Robbins. I think that's fantastic with and higher learning. Uh, absolutely. What were you going to say? I was just saying, and we're glad to hear that you're surviving it and you're surviving well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm glad it's not disrupting you too much. Yeah, you know, these gorgeous trails that go through the mountains here in southern Nevada and I you know, jump on my bicycle and I, I go ride the trails and it's real easy to maintain that six feet uh, of social isolation right. because, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have to catch me if you want to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's funny. Well, David, 
yeah, thank, thank, thanks, guys. Rachel, appreciate the time, and you know, best of luck with uh, Cannabinoids because I, I think it's a great project, and I, I just, again, I love the name. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we really look forward to hearing what you come out with with your podcast. It'll be great. Thanks again. So, as you all know, we are cannabinoids, and that means we absolutely love bringing the cannabis industry to your ears and all of the details that come with that. But we also love your partnership and support. A lot of work goes into creating each episode and keeping it free for everybody. You can support cannabinoids continuing to do that by becoming a Patreon. Becoming a Patreon for Cannabinoids comes with several perks like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and even some sweet Cannabinoids t-shirts and hats. To become a Patreon, head over to CannabinoidsPodcast.com. Click on the Patreon button. It's that easy. It's been amazing being a part of Cannabinoids, so we invite you to join us so you can be a Cannabinoid too.